Well, good morning, everybody. As we um, as we continue our series through Proverbs, uh, if you want to turn in your Bible to uh, Proverbs, we're going to pick up kind of the last half of chapter one, and then we'll be over in chapter four. Um, but I want to start out this morning with a, <coughs> a bit of an anecdote, a story, if you will. The date was October 17th, 2003. And... I was sitting in the back of a police car, um, finally being honest and uh, writing down everything I thought would be relevant uh, in the report I was having to fill out. You see, I had been, um, for some time, kind of living two lives. Um, One where I went to church and Christian school and... um, And I didn't, it wasn't like I was trying to project some really, uh, you know, good image or anything like that. Um, But I had people in my life who had been pouring into my life for quite some time. And there was a, um, you know, I don't think we enjoy disappointing people typically. And so there was a certain facade that was, you know, for at least those people, um, that everything was pretty much fine. <laughs> but in reality, um, when the sun went down and everyone else went to bed, um, it was not uncommon for me to sneak out of my house and go and hang out hang out with some of my friends. <laughs> um, we made the newspaper um, one time because we uh, they didn't know it was us. We never did find out, so hopefully I don't listen to the podcast, but I think the statute of limitations has expired on this, but uh, um, there'd been a rash of break-ins. You know, stuff had been taken out of people's garages and bicycles and things like that, which were then found, and um, I knew who that was um, because I was there for it. Me and my two buddies who I'm trying to decide whether or not I should say their names, but I don't think it matters. They're not going to probably listen to this uh me and dustin and nathan man we were thick as thieves as they say i think that applies here <coughs> you see we were we were juniors in high school uh we just started our junior year i had just turned 17 um i didn't have my driver's license yet because my parents said that nobody was going to drive their cars they hadn't taken driver's ed yet so why don't you take driver's ed well, because they weren't going to let me take driver's ed until I got, um, you know, my grades up, which I never did. Um, <clears throat> eventually, it became a necessity, and I got my license. But I don't want to. <coughs> I don't tell this story a lot anymore because I want to be really careful that at no point there are parts of this that are that are kind of funny looking back on it. But I don't in any way want to glorify or make light of or celebrate sin. Certainly not um, when I'm standing up here. And the reality is um, we really, you know, the three of us just had so much teenage angst. But it wasn't just teenage angst. It was more than anything apathy toward the things of God. We didn't care. We knew what the Bible said. We were friends because we met in Christian school. 
Turns out schools can't be Christians. Only people can be Christians. <laughs> and so that part's irrelevant. But we knew what the Bible had to say about what we were doing. And we didn't care. what we studied last week, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we didn't have, like, any of that. Either one of those things. The fear of the Lord or wisdom. We were too young to buy alcohol, uh, but we thought that was something we wanted to get into, so we would just steal it out of people's garages. And the night that I got arrested, oh yeah, I left out another part. Another thing we uh, would do is um, we would borrow cars. Um, now, granted, they were ones that were like owned by people we were related to, and often, and we knew where we could get the keys. This particular night, I was in a car that wasn't from someone I was related to. It was from a. Well, I'd lifted it from the house of one of my friend's relatives because we knew where the keys were. And it turns out, breaking into a house is one felony. And stealing the car is another felony. So I was facing serious problems while I sat in the back of this police car. I was really at a crossroads in my life. Because now I got to decide, am I sorry I got caught? And I'm going to keep living like this? Or am I, am I going to take this wake-up call for what it is? And if I get let off the hook, live different on the other side of it. And that was the crossroads I was at. And I'm, I'm proud to say that, um, I, I don't know, I'm proud to say, but like, God used that in my life in a powerful way. Um, it turns out a car sitting up in an empty parking lot with its just parking lights on is in fact suspicious. As it turns out, let me tell you why I'm really glad I got arrested that night. Um, you see, my one buddy, Dustin, that I was waiting, I was waiting for him to call me. I was like kind of around the corner from his house whenever he was going to be able to sneak out. And he had um, stolen a whole bunch of alcohol from his uncle's house. His uncle owned a bar in town. And so that was quite a score. And I was waiting for him to call if, call me, and we were going to meet up. And um, 17, like, I probably drank a couple of times in my whole life up, up to that point. I know the roads I would have been driving on. And I can show you the curve in that road where I would have wrecked that car. I have no idea if I, could have, if I would have been able to make it home alive that night. But I'm so thankful I didn't have to find out. My dad came out to pick me up. Um, they they were able to get a hold of the people whose house it was. It wasn't their car, as it turns out. They were able to get a hold of the people whose car it was. And the people whose house I'd broken into to steal the keys convinced the people whose, whose car it was not to press charges. The people whose house I broke into were people that loved me. They were my my. my they, they, were, they were my friend Dustin's grandparents. I'd spent tons of afternoons hanging out playing at their house with my friend. They'd taken me with them to their lake house multiple times. 
on vacation. And this was how I repaid them. And yet, they talked the other people out of pressing charges. So they were able to release me there. And <coughs> excuse me, when my, my, when my dad came to pick me up, they let him talk to me for a minute um, while they were still sorting everything out. And he said, I'll never forget this. That son, I never thought I'd be making this trip. And then he told me something that like cemented into my heart. He said, always tell the truth. And you'll never have to remember what you said. This was a powerful moment in my life. And um, as I studied our passage for this morning, <laughs> I realized that it was uh, kind of relevant to share this story. You ever hear your parents say to you, don't hang out with those kids, they'll only get you into trouble? Yeah, and of course you hang out with those kids anyway. I did. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, I got into trouble. <coughs> Proverbs has uh, throughout it, particularly these first nine chapters, um, several treatises basically, you know, kind of pleas from a parent to a child from a father to a son, almost begging him to listen to the parental advice. Here's what he says, starting to pick it up in verse 8. <coughs> Excuse me. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. You'll all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. We're going we're gonna to continue reading the rest of, the rest of this chapter. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. This is, this is where it pivots. So now, now it's, it's wisdom as though wisdom were a person speaking. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? You could just change that to stupid. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you have refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. 
I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. They will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, will be at ease without dread of disaster. <coughs> May God bless the reading of his word. One of the, one of the most popular channels on YouTube is called Fail Army. Yeah, we got a fan. Um, there is a whole, and they're not the only ones, there's, this whole, there's a whole subgenre of videos on YouTube that are people failing at things. And we laugh at them because it's funny. I want you to kind of have that in your mind when we re, when, you know, read this, that uh, wisdom is saying, I, I called out and you wouldn't listen. And so when you get what's coming to you, I'm going to laugh at you. What else can I do? What else can I do? I can't make you. And so you get to enjoy your own stupidity. <coughs> I am not going to say that in my, um, oh man, stop clicking. Hold on, I got this. Nope, nothing. Tested it twice, it worked. Got nothing. Um, I'm not going to say that I was a victim of the situation I was in or my, the friends that I was hanging around with, but the reality is, I had chosen my friends, and they affected me. Going into my, um, going into my, the rest of my junior and then my senior year of high school, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I was still, you know, I, I didn't like kick those guys out of my life, but I did, t you know, I made it clear that like, I'm not, I'm not going the way you're going. I can't go down the roads you're going down, because I know where they lead. I kind of got to see that. I got a little glimpse of that. And like, I, I can't go there with you. So like, we can still be friends, I guess, but like, kind of on my terms. And so I didn't really have very many. And um, I don't know where I was going with that, except that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a loser. But <laughs> um, but it, it, was, it was kind of like, I, I was better off not having people to hang out with than hanging out with those people and being kind of dragged down there. Just as a reminder, the book of Proverbs gives us probabilities, not promises. Or, or in other words, that, that it's kind of the general rule. General rule, this is um, how, how it usually plays out um, in life. There are exceptions. The book of Job is completely an exception. Job was a righteous man and um, lost everything. The book of Ecclesiastes looks at exceptions where the wicked seem to prosper. That seems to conflict with Proverbs. Proverbs is not, is not promises that God has made to you. These are wisdom. This is the general rule of how the world works. Um, there's a certain moral logic to Proverbs. 
and I borrowed this from the, the Bible Project. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible Project, they do the best overviews. Sorry, Pastor. But uh, they, do, they do the best overviews and kind of illustrate it. But the moral logic of Proverbs is the wisdom and the fear of the Lord are going to lead you to live with virtue, integrity, and generosity, which in turn leads to success and peace. Always? Well, it's not a promise. Um, life does happen. But generally speaking, when you live your life this way, um, you know, it, things turn out a certain way. Also, uh, generally speaking, when you uh, begin with folly and evil, foolishness, you live your life with selfishness and pride, you end up with ruin and shame. And that's, we see that kind of formula repeated over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs. It's kind of the moral logic of the book. Again, not promises, but probabilities. Can we all accept that like God hasn't promised us? Because <laughs> I, I want to just back up really quick. The prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel of the Bible, says if you do these things right, then God owes you these things. If you were a good person, God owes you a good life. And that's that's not that's not biblical. That's that's the that's a false gospel. God didn't promise those things. However, generally speaking, um, this is kind of how it plays out in life. And so, <coughs> I want to kind of re but, uh, we'll come back to um, what we're talking about this morning. But by, you know, by way of review, you know, wisdom. We talked about last week. What is wisdom? Wisdom is applied knowledge. Where does it come from? Wisdom comes from God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And how do we get it? We ask. We ask God. And I'm going to be honest, as I was going over my slides, I'm not even sure I got to that. I got so, I got so confused with not being able to see the slides last week. Um, but like James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, you don't earn wisdom. Just recognize you don't have it and ask God for it. God will give you wisdom. Where does he give us wisdom? Well, one of the ways he gives us wisdom is in his word. And wisdom literature like Proverbs is a great place to start. And so as we look at today's, today's lesson about choosing our friends wisely, you know, this, the, this, this advice, excuse me, this is advice from a, from a father to a son. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Avoid it. Do not go on it is such a powerful lesson. <laughs> the perfect example of how things don't work out when we live our lives wrong. My story is a great example of where that road can take you. Now, praise the Lord, he used that in my life and, and, and I have a foundation. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I don't know if I'm old yet, but, um, but I learned that night that there was a whole foundation underneath me that I was trying to reject. But in reality, when it came, when like when it came to that moment, are you going to keep lying to the police? Like when you told him you didn't have your wallet on you, because so you didn't have to show him that you don't actually have your driver's license. And then he pulled you out of the car and frisked you down and said uh, some things I can't repeat from the pulpit. And um, yeah, you know, continue down that path, or are you going to just open up and be honest? There's a foundation that needed to be there. <coughs> and we have some great examples. We, we have one of the best examples in Scripture. If you want to 
If you want to turn with me, you don't have to, um, but if you want to turn with me to First um, Samuel chapter 18, it's, it's kind of kind of back to the left um, from Proverbs. First Samuel chapter 18, uh, we're not going to read the whole thing, but um, King David, those of you that are familiar with Scripture may find this very familiar, and those that um, that are newer to it, maybe have never heard this story. Um, but, but King David had been anointed that he was going to be the next king. God had chosen him to be the next king. Uh, the problem was there was already somebody who was the king, and um, he was not God's choice. And so David had to live in this tension. He even, even worked for it, like he even like, worked in the court of the king. <laughs> and then the king would send him on missions, like hoping to get him, like where he would get himself killed. But then God was with David, and David survived and the king was like ah now what am i going to do all right i'll kill him myself and like tries to throw the spear at him and like doesn't get him but all through that david had a best friend and his best friend was the king's son jonathan and their friendship their friendship is so cool chapter 18 beginning in verse 1 he says as soon as he finished speaking to saul the soul of jonathan was knit to the soul of david and jonathan loved him as his own soul and Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Talking about David. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And we don't have time to go through all of it, but in, um, in chapters 19 and 20, <coughs> excuse me, oh, I'm glad when this tickle has gone from my throat. Um, in chapters 19 and 20, you know, Paul, Saul is get. I mean, Saul was an unstable man. And he knew that he wasn't God's choice to be king. And Saul knew that David was God's choice to be king, which kind of made it awkward. Um, and so Saul would send David out on these like suicide missions and then David would succeed and come back and like everybody would be like David's the greatest and Saul's like ah it's even worse now and there was a uh, there was a, a dinner party that David didn't know if it was safe to come to at the palace and Jonathan met him out in the field and said I love you man let me find out it's safe to come or if he's going to like try to kill you and he, you know they set up kind of like a signal like i'll shoot an arrow and i'll tell the you know you hide behind this rock and i'll tell the guy i'll say one thing if it's not safe and i'll say another thing if it is safe so that way you don't have to be seen they set this whole thing up but but it, but in that they also said you know if we this may be the end of our being able to like interact best friend david said if anything happens to me where you'll take care of my family. Jonathan said, of course I will. And the same goes for, for you. If, if anything happens to me, take care of my family. And they, 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 they loved each other with that kind of a friendship. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, can I just say that's that's true? 
own personal experience. You see, our, um, our relationships with our friends has a huge impact on our lives, a huge impact on, on so many things. In fact, did you know? Did you know, did you know that, that your friends, according to research, <laughs> odds are that you're a lot like your closest friends? You're probably in the same demographic. That's age, that might be ethnicity, that might be a lot of things. Like, a, a lot of things, you know, statistically speaking, you probably look like your closest friends, and you probably sound like them, and you're probably about the same age. You're probably at the same stage of life. You probably have the same religious views. You probably hold the same morals. Your income is probably within a very tight margin of your five closest friends. Our friends are a huge influence in our lives. So one of, our, one of the six core values that we have here at Neighborhood Church is that we journey together. We know that spiritual growth happens best in community. And God brings us into his family so that no one has to face anything alone. And I want to kind of, as we as we talk about this, <coughs> as we talk about this this idea of our friends and choosing our friends wisely, and what and what that means for our lives, and what that looks like going forward. I want to kind of lean into this journeying together value that we have, and and how it fits here, and why it's so important. If you, if you turn over to chapter four in the book of Proverbs, I'm going to go through this really quick. I'm going to read it real quick. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he had taught me and said to me, okay, remember, this is Solomon writing what King David said to him. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Talking about wisdom. <coughs> Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. And they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. You ever notice how so many stories like the one I told this morning happened like after midnight? That was another thing my dad told me uh, in the wake of that. He said, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. I hated that. It's true, though. 
Sure, you can find a few exceptions to that, but generally speaking, they're missing out on anything. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Well, you know, it's really hard to walk in a direction your feet aren't pointing. Turn your foot away from evil. <laughs> so let's look at this journeying together and why it's so important to surround yourself with the right kind of people. I'm going to go through this a little bit quickly. Um, journeying together means that we can look to our church family, our spiritual community, to fill that need for companionship. We all feel that need, and we all look for friends to fill it. Sometimes we find people to hang out with, but they're not really our friends. But when we find a true friend, that's really something special. Proverbs 18.24, some friendships don't last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers kind of a paraphrase, but some other version. Journeying together means that in our friendships, we allow people a place of incredible influence in our lives. When we're not discerning in our friendships, this can be disastrous. On the other hand, when we are careful to pick and choose our friends wisely, we create a safeguard in our own lives against disaster. Proverbs 13.20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Journeying together means that we have a support system when we're the ones in need of support. And we develop empathy for others when others need it. Journeying together means that we have accountability for the times when our feet turn down the wrong path. True friends will ask you the tough questions and hold your feet to the fire. Proverbs 27.6 says a friend means well, even when he hurts you. But when an enemy puts his hand around your shoulder, watch out. Journeying together means we work to be at peace with each other, not drive a wedge between, between others. Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and gossip separates the best of friends. Journeying together means that we have people around us who will tell us the truth especially when we've chosen to believe lies. Proverbs 14, 24, 26, an honest answer is the sign of true friendship. Journeying together is a core value for Neighborhood Church because of all these things. Journeying together, like <laughs> the people we surround ourselves with, like n nothing, <coughs> you know, you've heard the saying like, um, Five years from today, you will be the same person you are today, except for, what do they say? You know what they are? The books you read and the people you meet. The reality is, like, you know, obviously, like, um, gathering, getting wisdom from other places, can we say scripture as well? Uh, like, that's, that's a book you can read. Yeah, I highly encourage it. And the people you meet, because the people we surround ourselves with have a bigger influence on us than just about anything else. 
I want to I want to look back at a, at another. Hold on, I can't remember if I have a slide here for it. Oh yeah, I do. Um, <coughs> before we move on, Matthew, Matthew Henry is a uh, is a was a was a guy in the a long time ago. Um, wrote wrote a commentary on on scripture, and he said, "Wicked people are zealous in seducing others into the paths of the destroyer. Sinners love company in sin, but they have so much the more to answer for. How cautious!" Should young people be? Consent thou not. Yeah, he's reading the King James. But, you know, do not consent. Do not say as they say, nor do as they do, or would have you to do. Have no fellowship with them. Who could think that it should be a pleasure to one man to destroy another? See their idea of worldly wealth. It is neither substance nor precious. It is the ruinous mistake of thousands that they overvalue the wealth of this world. Men promise themselves in vain that sin will turn to their advantage. The way of sin is downhill. Men cannot stop themselves. Oh, would young people shun temporal and eternal ruin? Let them refuse to take one step in these destructive paths. Men's greediness of gain hurries them upon practices which will not suffer them or others to live out half their days. What is a man profited, though he gain the world, if he loses his life, much less if he loses his soul? <coughs> Some powerful words. And as we close this morning, I want to I zero in back on this verse in, in Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin. In other words, some friendships don't, some friendships don't work out. You can have a lot of friends and, and things still turn out very poorly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This, Proverbs is a tough book to preach through um, because it's very easy to preach what we call moralism, which is basically what I was talking about at the beginning, that prosperity gospel idea that if you do good, you will get good. Well, certainly that's the moral logic of Proverbs and certainly... That, that like we ought to um, we ought to do good things but um, there's there's things way bigger than that and it's this this friend that sticks closer than a brother certainly can be true of your best friends some of you maybe have had this experience where you've had a friend that was there for you in a way family was never there for you Especially because if you're in Florida, you probably moved here from somewhere else and uh, you're not near family anymore. So you, you get it. But can I remind you that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus? When we choose to follow Jesus, he calls us his friend. He calls us not just into the way of wisdom. He calls us not just into the fear of the Lord, not just into fellowship with other um, believers that will help kind of keep our life on the rails. Because you see, no matter how much you read Proverbs, which, I don't know if you put this together, but there's 31 chapters in Proverbs and there's 31 days in the longest month. 
you could read a pro like one chapter in Proverbs every day. Like if you if you don't have like a regular Bible reading thing, that's a great place to start. Um, whatever the date is, today is the 14th. Read Proverbs 14. There you go. It's simple. But it doesn't matter how much we read Proverbs or how much we even apply the book of Proverbs as far as doing good that will set us right with God. Because there is the reality of sin that has to be dealt with. And sure, it's great if we get our lives in order and going forward from this point on, like, just try to do the best we can. Okay, that, that's great. But the problem is, God cannot allow sin to go unpunished. So someday, you either stand before God and accept the punishment for your sin, which is eternal separation from Him and eternal torment in a real place called hell. The Bible says hell is real. Or, you accept through faith that Jesus already took the punishment for your sin. That's like a big deal. Because if Jesus already took the punishment for our sin, that means we don't have to stand and take it. That means that we can, we can have fellowship with God. We can have that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I want to challenge us as we continue through Proverbs. I'll close with this, but remember that this is not a formula. This is not a this is not promises. These are probabilities. This is how to walk in wisdom. This is a Proverbs is a great recipe for how not to have your life be miserable. Probably. Because God didn't promise you an easy life just because you walked in the way of wisdom. I know some really wise people that have walked some very difficult paths. Because that's, that's what God chose for them to go through. To teach them things, maybe. Let's walk in the way of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Make it a priority to get that more than anything else. Make it a priority to be right with God have the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Will you pray with me? <coughs> Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for words of wisdom from Scripture. We thank you so much for, for the body of Christ, the church that we can gather with, that we can surround ourselves with. God, thank you that you don't just um, hang us out to dry in this life given us you've given us the tools to live in wisdom God help us to pursue that and make it a priority in Jesus name Amen mm -hmm.